0: Hello and welcome in to another episode of Locked on Wolves. Today on the show, the idea of a Carl Anthony Towns for Trey Young trade is a terrifying one. I'll explain why it was floated on Bleacher Report this weekend. I'll explain why that would be horrible. Also, uh, this is a big show today. I want to talk about Nas Reed and Torian Prince, their future with the team, kind of a season and review for each of those guys as we continue the player season review series. It's all up, come and welcome in. You are Locked on Wolves. You are Locked on Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Today's episode is brought to you by PrizePix. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. That's PrizePicks.com promo code locked on. Happy Monday, everybody! Hopefully, you had a fantastic weekend. We're going to kick off the week here with a uh, a pretty packed show. I want to talk about a rumor. now nah, it's not a rumor. To be clear, it's a it's a um, internet manufactured discussion about a potential Wolves trade uh, for Trey Young, which should not happen. And to be clear, is not a rumor. But I want to unpack it as as like these you know as far as these star for star challenge trades go, there are some similarities in their careers, kind of, sort of. So we'll address that. And then I want to get into Nas Reed and Torian Prince, who are two of the more interesting um, rotation guys for the Wolves this year. Bench players who both may be back next year and might not be. We really don't know what's going to happen and for different reasons, right? Their contract situations are different. So we'll unpack that here today on the show. Also a big thank you though, for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. This show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app, on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV, and you can follow on Twitter at Locked On T Wolves and also at my account, which is at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. All right, let's start with the with the Trey Young conversation. I think this is it's a fascinating discussion, and I talked. I don't remember. It was probably the first part of last week. Did a show on on carl anthony towns and you know the possibility like now we can at least i think might have been last monday at least start having the conversation of like hey do the wolves consider trading carl anthony towns i think that's a reasonable discussion to have of course he's still not trade eligible until july so after the draft after free agency starts because the extension he had signed the the supermax extension so it's not it's not a completely moot point like it was the last year and frankly even before that because the wolves were never going to trade him before he signed that supermax he wasn't going to leave um it's worth the conversation now because once he becomes trade eligible, the Wolves also have Rudy Gobert. They are have now said, Tim Connolly said publicly, we're building around Anthony Edwards. And, and I'm not, you know, I'm not judging that decision. I think it makes a lot of sense, right? But that means that Carl Tells you can at least have that discussion. So there's an article on Bleacher Report by Zach Buckley called Star for Star Offseason NBA Trades That Make Too Much Sense. So he's got Kyrie Irving for DeAndre Ayton on there. Uh, Zion Williamson for Pascal Siakam and Damian Lillard for Darius Garland are the others. The one uh, Wolves related is Trey Young for Carl Anthony Towns. And there are certainly some similarities between the two in their careers. And and you know Buckley points this out about how they've both been really productive. Um, they have defensive limitations that have, according to him, prevented their teams from ever winning big. Uh, that's not how I would frame this, right? Like there's similarities in that, yes, they're both offensive first players. They're both very unique scorers unlike really anything the league has seen in that they're both, I mean, I think more cat than Trey, but like they're both unique and they both individually struggled in the playoffs. I don't know that it's because of their defensive limitations, at least not in the case of Carl Anthony Towns, like Towns is Towns's defense is not the reason the wolves have not won a playoff series with him on the team. Like that's absurd. Um, and that's not exactly what Zach Buckley is saying, but basically Trey young, you could make that argument, but there's obviously other reasons why Atlanta hasn't succeeded in recent years either and has gone through a couple coaches here recently, similar to what Minnesota's done. Um, But he goes on to talk about how the Wolves should essentially swap the two players, and the argument he makes is that on the Wolves' end, a Trey Young trade would make things easier for Anthony Edwards. He says, quote, his off-the-dribble creativity, meaning Trey Young, would draw defensive attention his way. His three-point volume and willingness to fire from way outside would help space the floor. His vision and passing could better weaponize Edwards as a cutter, not to mention give Rudy Gobert purpose on pick and rolls. Plus, if there's a team capable of masking Young's defensive shortcoming, it might be one with Edwards, Gobert, and Jaden McDaniels. That's a ton of length disruption and rim protection behind the score first guard. Uh, end quote there in the article. And, and he goes on to talk about it from the other, you know, flipping it, basically. Um, and he also says that the Ringers' Kevin O'Connor is talking about the Hawks are now considering Trey Young trades. He's right about the offense. I think the best version of an offense with Anthony Edwards and Trey Young is really, really good if they both play to their capabilities. If it works exactly how Buckley suggests that it might, if Trey Young, if the gravity of and the threat of Trey Young shooting from anywhere on the floor pulls defenders a step and a half away from Anthony Edwards, there's that much more space for Edwards to operate. My fear, however, like the, the very obvious fear here is that Trey Young would then use more possessions than Anthony Edwards. And you don't want that. Um, Anthony Edwards is still a more efficient scorer than Trey Young, um, I think. Um, maybe not, I guess this last year, you could look at it and you could make the argument that Trey Young was more efficient. But I think the upside of Ant and his efficiency, once he starts to figure out getting to the line more often, shooting less mid-range jumpers, like I, I think that the ceiling is clearly much higher, even just on offense. Like Obviously, as a two-way player, it is. He's already a a thousand times the defender that Trey Young is. Um, but I just, like, here's the thing. Everybody talks about Trey Young as the shooter and, like, that's how he's known, whatever, and I know he's got limitless range. He shot 33.5% from three this season. I mean, like, go down the Wolves roster and list the guys who shot 33% or better. I mean, like, Austin Rivers was 35% from three. Josh Minette was 33% in 15 games. Like, um, And that's essentially what you'd expect him to shoot, right? Uh, like, in fact, nobody in the Wolves rotation that shot threes was worse than 33%, except for Jordan McLaughlin. Oh, I guess Jalen Noel. Yeah, well, we spent a lot of time on him last week. Jalen Noel would be another, uh, would be the other guy. Everybody else was above that. Like Luca Garza shot 36% from three. Nikkei Alexander-Walker, 36% from three. And I spent half a show last week talking about how Alexander-Walker needs, that role needs to be somebody that's a better shooter than what Alexander-Walker has been for his career. Trey Young was 33% this year. Now, he was 33, 38% the year before, but he was 34% the year before that. For his career, he's only 35.1%. That's below league average from outside the arc. Again, it's the volume and the threat of Trey Young shooting threes that, that's what, that impacts teams defensively. And that's the argument here, is that putting that into the Wolves' offense would draw teams away from Anthony Edwards. But if you're the defense, you'd rather have Trey Young shooting from 30 feet than Anthony Edwards attacking downhill, right? So you would give you would still give Trey Young space given the option and you're probably going to be in pretty good shape. The other thing is Trey Young had his lowest three-point rate of his career this year. He shot the ball a bunch more from inside the arc and most of it was from the 3 to 16 foot range. Last season, Trey Young shot 32% of his shots, not percentage, but 32%. So nearly a third of his shot attempts uh in 21-22 were from 3 feet to 16 feet, which is generally not great. Like obviously you know, shooting within 10 is fine, but like get to the rim or shoot threes, basically. This season though, he shot, uh, let me see, 30, make sure I'm doing my math right here, uh, 39.5%, 39.5% of his shot attempts were between three feet and 16 feet. So he went from 32% to nearly 40% of his shots. Uh, three and 10 to nearly four and 10 of his shots coming from three to 16 feet. He shot way less three-pointers this year, and his free-throw rate went down as well. So you're a player who, in his age 24 season, sees his three-point rate drop, his free-throw rate drop, um, and also, by the way, his assist rate dropped to the second lowest mark of his career, lowest since his rookie season. Now, DeJounte Murray was on the team. I get that. He handled a little bit, too. uh, But he also saw his turnover rate climb. He just wasn't as good this year as he was last year. And that is worrisome when he's coming into this new max contract. This doesn't even take into account trading Carl Anthony Towns, which we talked about the other day. Like you do that if you can recoup some picks for the future. But if you trade a really efficient scorer that plays a different position than your best player, in Anthony Edwards, and you bring in a an inefficient scorer, relatively inefficient. I, I should be clear. Trey Young's a really good scorer, and he he is a not quite an All Star caliber. He's a ball a borderline All Star. He's made two All Star teams. He is a really good scorer, but. To trade out an efficient score in Carl Anthony Towns that plays the four and the five for a, a a point guard who is less efficient and put him next to Anthony Edwards. I haven't even talked about defense. Trey Young's a miserable defender. And um like that that doesn't solve your problems on the perimeter. Oh, and by the way, the Timberwolves have been the worst rebounding franchise in the league for the past several years. Trey Young had a four point seven percent total rebound rate this season, less than five percent of available rebounds when he was on the floor were grabbed by Trey Young. And Trey Young is one of 10 guys on the floor at any given moment. And he grabbed less than 5% of available rebounds, only 7% of available defensive rebounds. That's really, really bad. And we've talked a lot about rebounding on the show. To take out your second best rebounder in terms of minutes played, probably third or fourth best rebounder pound for pound in towns, and bring in somebody who had a, a rebound rate lower than Jordan McLaughlin this year lower than D'Angelo Russell, lower than Mike Conley, lower than Torian Prince, go on up the list. Uh, that wouldn't make any sense. Um, so that worries me for a lot of reasons. There's obviously the contract he just signed to, and and you know he's been mostly durable for his NBA career, but like given his size and the lack of defense, how does he age in the next few years as he goes into this max deal? He's got four more years at 40 plus million here uh, on the deal that he signed last year. So or I guess 2 years ago. Um so anyway, I don't like the idea at all. Yes, the best the best possible version of a Trey Young Anthony Edwards offense is tantalizing, but it's not as good as the best possible version of an Anthony Edwards Carlton Anthony Towns offense. And I get that Towns and Gobert play the same position. We talked about this a lot. That's a reality Chris Finch has to deal with, but I'd I'd rather put my money on stability and figuring that out than trading an efficient scoring Carl Anthony Towns for a no defense less efficient score in Trey Young and try and figure out a Trey Young-Anthony Edwards backcourt that, or uh, backcourt. Yeah, that wouldn't make any sense. Um, so that is my opinion on that. I don't think that's a real rumor. We'll hear much this offseason, but now that Bleacher Report has it out there, who knows? We may hear about it more. Just know that's where I stand. All right, let's talk Nasri. Let's talk Torrey and Prince and what their potential, potentially what their respective futures are with the team. We'll do that here next. Today's episode of Locked Out Wolves is brought to us by our friends at prize Picks. Every day of the NBA playoffs and into the finals, prize picks one prize picks user will win a chance at becoming a millionaire. One entry placed after 8 a.m. Eastern Time, that's 7 p.m. Excuse me, 7 a.m. Central, will be randomly selected each day of the playoffs and the finals. Whoever placed that entry will be given a six-pick flex with the following payouts: six correct picks gets one million dollars, five correct picks gets eighty grand, four correct picks gets sixteen thousand dollars. Full details can be found at PrizePicks.com slash million. You must opt in at this link to be eligible for the million dollar entry. Once you opt in, all you have to do is play the game like normal and you could be the lucky winner. If you've never played before, it's really easy to play prize picks. You just pick two to six players if they'll score more or less than their prize picks projection. You can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. You're not competing against other people. Just you versus the projections available. You can make your picks in less than 60 seconds. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code LOCKEDON. If you deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, they'll give you $50. Don't forget to enter the promo code LOCKEDON at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. A big thank you once again for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Every day is tomorrow on the show. We are going to continue the player review series. We'll do Mike Conley on Tuesday. So tune in for that. We're going through the whole roster. We'll do a player each day this week and into the first part of next week is when we'll get to the Timberwolves superstar players. So uh, make sure to tune in again every day, Monday through Friday. All right. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about Nas Reed. So we've done a lot of talking about Nasri this year. He's been fantastic. He absolutely had a better season this year or had the best season of his career. There's no question. He'd shown flashes, especially a couple seasons ago when towns was injured. Um, and he clearly is a, a, was an incredible find by Gerson Rosas in the old front office as an undrafted free agent uh, was going to get a two-way deal after, he, but then he played so well in summer league, the wolves gave him an actual uh, partially guaranteed contract. Both he and second round pick at the time, Jalen Noel played on those four year partially guaranteed deals And Nas, again, in times when Towns was out, has played great. This year, he had a stretch where he clearly was playing the best basketball of his career. My biggest concern with Nas in past seasons was his lack of rebounding and his inconsistency defensively. And both of those things improved this year. There's no question about that. He had the best rebound rate of his career, his best defensive rebound rate of his career. Um, He was better in general on defense. I think he's now, he used to be a complete liability in pick and roll. And he was competitive in pick and roll defense this year even if the Wolves were switching, even if they were playing, like no matter what coverage they were playing, I thought Nas held his own. Now there's certain things you can't do with him. He still sometimes can get a little bit lost in the wash defensively, but he at least now seems to kind of like go back to his rookie year or even year two when he again showed, played well at times. uh, There were moments where he looked entirely lost, like where he just didn't know what coverage they were in or didn't know what his responsibility was or didn't get to the spot fast enough. Those moments are much fewer and far between now. Um, he's legitimately passable defensively as a whole. Now he blocked less shots this year. Uh, like, but I think that was just a function of, he was more in the right spot more frequently. And also a lot of, I mean, good chunk of the time he's playing with Rudy Gobert offensively. He looked really confident. Um, he was decisive, which is probably the biggest thing for him. He was making the decision to you know fake a dribble handoff and jet to the basket and try and dunk on people, which is, of course, how he ended up breaking his wrist, was trying to dunk over someone. Um, but it's that aggressiveness that served him so well this season. So there's no question he rebounded better. He defended better. Um, he also shot the ball a little bit better this year. He, again, he went through a stretch where he looked really good from outside the arc. But he also had the highest assist rate since his rookie season. And again, rookie year, that was a really small sample size of minutes. I thought the assist rate was good. Um and decision making was solid. He trimmed the turnover rate this season. He called his own number a lot, but oftentimes that was warranted. When Towns was out, if he wasn't playing with Ant. And we'll get into some lineup data here as we get into the offseason and like some of the in the weeds, like how did Nas fare with Ant? Like what does that look like if Nas comes back? We'll get to all that. But what I want to talk about now is that Nas is cl- clearly continued to improve. He's only going to be 24 years old next season. He turns 24 right before training, at like end of August. Um, so, he's young. He is going to be healthy. He broke his wrist, but you know that he's going to be healthy here in the next few weeks. What does he get on the open market? I mean, the Wolves have his bird rights that can sign him for 4 years and like a little bit more than anybody else can. I think mid 50s and he was looking for 10-12 million a year. The Wolves were trying to offer him between 8 and 10 million was the rumor when they had extension talks. I forget who had that initially, but that was the rumor back around the trade deadline. And ultimately, he's now going to hit unrestricted free agency. But again, the Wolves do have his bird rights. And it sounds like Nas wants to be back. He's liked his time in Minneapolis and the Wolves want him back. Um, my fear that I discussed last week on the show or maybe like the week before that is the Wolves potentially sinking another 50, 55, 58 million into essentially the center spot and and three guys that only play the four and the five in Towns, Gobert, and Nas because you can only play two of them at once. Um, And I don't know that Nas is like, He's not a roster-changing type player. Now, if you let him walk, we saw how bad the Wolves' front court hurt when he missed the last few weeks of the season, including the playoffs. He's an important player, and if Nas leaves, you got to backfill that spot. Can it be Nate Knight, who is under contract on a partially guaranteed deal next year? Maybe. I like Nate Knight a lot. Um... There's some things he does every bit as good as Nas, but he doesn't add that dynamic ability to your offense. I think he's more of a well-rounded, better suited for that fourth big spot. And I honestly thought, I talked about this the other day, I thought he should have played more than Luka Garza this year. I like Nate Knight a lot. I don't think he can, I think his ceiling isn't quite as high as a Nas Reed ceiling because Nas does so many things like his handle, his passing, his athleticism in general. Uh, What he's become with the ball in his hands as a passer and a... Frankly, putting the ball on the floor and driving to the basket. As a rebounder, he's now, you know, I would have said Nate Knight was pound for pound a much better rebounder headed into this year. Knight regressed on the glass. Nas improved. Like, you could argue Nas has the edge there, too. So I think it's important the Wolves make an effort to bring him back, but at what cost? Um, are you going to pay him $12 million a year to sit behind Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns and play? What's he going to play? 18 minutes a game? He played this year 18 minutes a game, and Towns missed, you know, however many games he missed, 50-plus games. So, like, he's not going to play more than 20 a game, probably. So how much money do you sink into that? And if you don't, who are you acquiring to fill that spot? Who are you picking up with the mid-level exception to to, to fill your third big spot? So it's a big question mark. I want Nas back. I would not pay him $12 million a year. Um, but I think you do what you can to bring him back What for whatever that looks like. I do think at times this year, and this is a bit of a straw man, but, like, there, there just was the sentiment that Nas was, like, the second coming and like, I think we maybe got uh, Wolves fans got a little bit out in front of their skis on how good Nas was. Nas is a really nice player. I think if he goes somewhere to get paid as a starter, some of those weaknesses that he has will be exposed. Like, I mean, we think of him as this three point shooter. He's 34% career from three. He's never shot better than 35.1% in a season. Um, he's a below league average three point shooter, which is, you know, for a guy that's going to play center. Yeah. That, that matters that he can space the floor. Uh, the rebounding. Is it real? Will he do it consistently after the season? The defensive stuff. Has he really turned a corner there? Um, to be clear, I, I'm not. I'm not trying to you know like put down Nas at all. I love him back on the team. I just think we need to be careful. Uh, and and I think his best role is as a third big. It just he might be able to find more minutes and more dollars somewhere else. I hope he's back in Minnesota. I really do because again, that's a big roster or a big hole on the roster for the Wolves to have to try and backfill if he does leave. Okay. Let's finish uh, the show here today by talking Torian Prince. Torian has a bit of a question mark with his contract for next year. Will he be back? Will he not? Will the Wolves try and maybe extend him? Could they trade him? Uh, we'll talk about all that and generally how he played this season as well here coming up next. All right, uh, Torian Prince this season for the Wolves. So well, actually, let's back up. Last offseason, he signed a two-year deal with the Wolves for $14.55 million. And the second year was actually non not guaranteed. So seven point one million last year. This next season becomes guaranteed on June twenty eighth. So right after the draft, um, the Wolves could opt to waive him or trade him and then have him be waived on draft night. And you know, no harm, no foul. He's just off the roster. There's no cap hit, obviously, or anything like that. Like he's just a free agent. Or they could keep him and it becomes guaranteed for seven point four five. So just a hair under seven point five million on June twenty eighth this season. I think I think it's pretty likely um, that the Wolves pick up, it's not technically an option, that they don't waive him, that they allow the contract to become guaranteed on June 28th because the best case for Torian Prince, he's worth more than 7.4, 7.5 million. This was not a great year for Torian. I, I thought there were some things he struggled with. He did shoot the ball a little bit better this year than last year, but only by about a half a percentage point. Um, defensively, I thought he struggled and I don't know if he's actually lost a step. I mean, he's, he just turned 29 in March, so I don't know if he's starting to slow down a bit. Um, he obviously had the illness right around the All-Star break, and some per- or illness, I think, maybe before that, personal issues right after the All-Star break. Missed a handful of games. Um, he ended up only playing in 54 because he had some nagging injuries as well. So perhaps the illness, injury, personal stuff, that all played into it, and maybe he deserves the benefit of a doubt there. Um, but he wasn't as good this season as he was last year. Uh, the other thing, the other area that he really struggled in was rebounding. This was a career-worst rebounding year for Torian Prince by percentage on both ends of the floor, offensively and defensively. He saw his rebound rate sink to a career low. So his total rebound rate was just 6.2%, which sounds like it's not a big deal when his career rate's 8.4. But it matters when the rest of your team doesn't rebound the basketball either. You're relying on Rudy Gobert to grab all the rebounds, um, and you miss 52 games from Towns. And Ant is your only other guy consistent. You know, Jaden McDaniels isn't grabbing rebounds. D'Lo isn't grabbing rebounds. The first part of the year, your backups, your your wings, Noel, McLaughlin, those guys aren't rebounding. Um, they need a little more out of Prince on the glass. They need a little more from him defensively. Oftentimes, he was kind of the next line of defense. If McDaniels was in foul trouble or missed a game uh, before, Deke Alexander Walker uh, was around. Prince would guard those bigger wings. And now, if the Wolves believe Alexander Walker can do most of what Prince can do for a little bit less money and you know, fresher legs, younger, all that stuff. there's a chance they back they, they take they let Prince go and they try and replace that role with Alexander Walker. Now he's more of a two that can play the three than a three that can play the four like Prince. So you'd still need to add some size to the team, which is why I think there's a chance. we talked about Josh Minot last week. perhaps perhaps the Wolves uh, plug Minot into the end of the rotation. they bring back Alexander Walker and they let Prince go. And you try and take, you know, kind of split those Prince minutes with maybe it's eight to 10 minutes of Minot and his energy, rebounding, shot blocking ability, athleticism. And then you bump up Alexander Walker's minutes and you hope he he becomes more consistent from outside the arc and also is consistent defensively. And you can kind of paper over those Prince minutes with the upside of Minot, save those dollars elsewhere, you know, find a big to backfill for Nas or save some money to bring back Nas or make a trade. I, I think that's what I would look to do because I think. A combination of Minette and Alexander can cover a lot of what Torian Prince did this season for the Wolves. But again, I won't be upset if they bring him back because age 29, 7.5 million, as long as he can shoot 38, 39% from three again. Um that's not a that's not a bad number, right? Like that's not a bad deal. I just think this is an area they could look to improve on the glass, consistent consistency on defense. Um now. Alexander Walker and Josh Minot are both worse shooters than Torian Prince, so you got to find your shooting somewhere else then. Um, And and perhaps that's the backup point guard spot if you move on from McLaughlin, or perhaps it's uh, if you find a a stretch big to take the Nas minutes, and obviously you'll have Towns that's healthy, which is going to help your spacing. Um, That would be the biggest concern is how do you backfill with shooting if you were then giving more minutes to Alexander Walker or Minot. I do think there's some upside for both those guys to be good three-point shooters, but we haven't seen it yet at the NBA level from either of them with any consistency. So uh, there are some question marks there. There's also the possibility the Wolves pick up the option and then trade him later in the offseason. season. Um, I don't think there's any reason why they couldn't do that. If something crops up uh, as we get into late summer, early fall, that's always a possibility too. Um, because again, the idea of Torian Prince, a, a veteran three and D guy that can play the three or the four that can also initiate a little off the bench that can knock down an open three can guard multiple positions add some toughness, be a good locker room guy. Prince does all of those things. And so I absolutely will not be upset if he's back. It is just one of the few spots where the Wolves didn't quite get what they were expecting this year, and they potentially could upgrade. Um, and that's why I bring that up. So again, the date to watch for for Torian Prince is June 28th, which I think is a couple days after the NBA draft. Um, so I, I think... I think the Wolves could trade him before the draft or on draft night, I guess, and then whatever team they trade him to could then choose to let his salary or to to not guarantee his contract for next year, or they could keep him. So he's also a potential trade night uh, or excuse me, draft night trade chip. I don't think he's worth a first round pick. I mean, we've talked about this before, but like going back a few years, like now this is many many years. But the Wolves got Chase Budinger for a first round pick. They got Martell Webster for a first round pick. Like those mid late first rounders. It's possible. Like things are valued differently now, um, and I, I really should, I guess, look at the last couple years and see how that's kind of shaken out. If we've seen very many one for one, you know, veteran player for a pick type trades, um, but the Wolves could use a little bit of as weird as this sounds, uh, youth injection, and also like first round picks. Right? They don't really have any moving forward at all, um, so that's always a possibility too. If there's teams that have multiple picks that are looking to trade them, but then again, like for instance, a team like say the Thunder, without looking at what picks they have exactly. They don't have a use for Torian Prince yet. Well, maybe they would this year, actually, now that I say that, um, because the Thunder were a play-in team, right? The Thunder are, they may be adding some veterans here in the next couple of years. If they think that they've got their stars in SGA and Chet and Chet Holmgren and whoever else they've got going on down there, um, you know, there could be some of those opportunities that Prince could be an option to trade either before or after the contract is guaranteed. All right, Um to me, like putting a bow on this, both Nas and Prince, pretty interesting to see what happens with those guys moving forward. I, I you could, it wouldn't shock me either way if they're both back or both gone, um, or one backs, one's back and one's gone. I think either any of those possibilities are entirely uh, on the table here f- for those players. All right, on Tuesday's show, I want to break down Mike Conley's uh, season. I want to do that a little bit more in depth. Um, I'll probably do the whole show on Conley and just just kind of break down like what the Wolves did after the trade, what his best lineup pairings were, um, what we could expect from a, what will he be, like 37-ish-year-old Conley next season, if I'm getting that number right. Am I right on that? Hang on. Yeah, thirty I guess 36 next year. So what does a 36-year-old Mike Conley look do for the Wolves? Like uh, Very likely he's back. We'll talk about his contract, all that stuff on Tuesday's show. Um, and then we'll kind of move on through the roster, through the starting lineup here as we get later into the week. That's all we have for you today. A big thank you once again for making Locked On Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. You can also watch the show on Locked On Sports Minnesota. That's the app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You can follow on Twitter at Locked On T Wolves and also at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. Of course, Locked On Wolves is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Remember. The Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.